Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. This podcast is inspired by the words of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who said, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. Welcome back to season three of the Do Something Beautiful podcast. We're in episode five now. And today I am speaking with Kristen Brokaw. Kristen is a theology teacher at a high school in Indiana, in Southern Indiana. And I met her when I went to that city to give a talk at that high school. She was the first person who said hello to me as I got out of the car. And instantly I was like, oh my gosh, like this woman's on fire with the Lord. It was very clear. It was very obvious. She seemed to be very humble, but also extremely determined with her faith. And I just was drawn to her. And come to find out, a lot of people are drawn to her. She really has an amazing story. And I am sharing that with you. She also, which you will hear at the end, she does spoken word poetry. Some people might call it rap, but it's actually spoken word poetry. She's like the Catholic version of Eminem. You know, like she's, she's, she, she's really great. She actually gives us a couple of her, she recites some of these, I mean, I don't know what you call them, poems or something. I don't know, but she recites a couple of them at the end of the podcast. And I am floored. I wish I would have started with those because they're just so darn good. But she explains to us her story of actually converting to Catholicism at the ripe age of 18 years old. I mean, the Holy Spirit is really working in her and was working in her at a very young age. She's very self-aware. So she talks about that. She also talks about a really difficult topic, which is about anxiety and depression. And she talks about how that has been a cross for her and how her faith has helped her pick up that cross every day and kind of work through it. And I'm really proud and I'm just so thankful that she actually is talking about these difficult issues because many of us deal with them. And if we're not dealing with them, then trust me, right? We know somebody who's dealing with them. And so it's just really wonderful that she's so honest and vulnerable. So she talks about that. And then she talks and she gives us a little insight into her being a theology teacher and for high school sophomores and what she does with this whole spoken word poetry. Her students call her Rapper B. So her last name is Brokaw. So they call her Rapper B. I asked her if she wanted that as her like tagline. And she says, no, it's okay. You can just call me Kristen which just shows you how amazing she is. But she's super talented, super amazing. I can't wait for you to hear about this wonderful, beautiful, unsung hero, the Miss Kristen Brokaw. All right, welcome back to the podcast and welcome my beautiful guest, Kristen. Hey. That's when you say hi. Hey. (laughs) You're like, is this when I talk? (laughs) Yes, this, this is when you... Okay, Kristen, why don't you tell everybody listening uh, just like really quickly, like who you are, and I'm going to let you tell your story of how we met, and then I'll add in the pieces of my experience of meeting you, which is amazing. Like I've already shared with the listeners in the introduction of how we first met, but I'll just let you go ahead. So why don't you tell us a little bit really quick of who you are? Okay, uh, so cool. I am Kristen Brokaw. I'm from like the southwestern Indiana area. So like almost Kentucky, but it's not, it's Indiana. And um, I teach here in a Catholic high school in Evansville. And I teach sophomores, mostly a little bit of freshmen. 
And that's kind of who I am. There's obviously a lot more, but that's a brief introduction, I suppose. I love it. I love it. So I came to Evansville, Indiana um, to give a talk a couple months ago, right? Yeah, March. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was March. Yeah. Yeah. And it was fantastic. It was a great conference that you guys were putting on and holding there at the high school where you teach. And I walked into the building. You were the very first person that I saw and spoke with. And I was just getting out of the car with my babies and all my luggage and stuff. And I remember one of the first things, at least one of the first things that you told me is that you were the one who left the comment on iTunes for this podcast that Leah is a good, good waffle. Leah is a good, good waffle. That was so funny, that Snapchat story when you were seeing with uh, your sister. Was it your sister? Yeah, yes. <laughs> and like, obviously that song, that song's a classic, instant classic. And you just remix it. You throw in the breakfast version and I'm dying. And so I'm just like, yes, Leah is the good, good waffle. Okay, so, so for people who don't know, I'm an idiot on Snapchat. If you want to follow me for spiritual inspiration, you need to go to Instagram, go to Twitter, go to Facebook. If you want to follow the idiot of Leah Darrow, then you go to my Snapchat account. It's my real life. I mean, it is it's no joke. I have, I don't hold anything back and I do some just idiotic, funny things. And so one of them is I took that great song, the beautiful song of You're a Good, Good Father, meaning God the Father. Okay. It's fantastic. It's a wonderful worship song. We sing it at like all the adoration nights and the Steubenvilles that I, that I'm able to speak at. It's beautiful. And I decide to just, oh gosh, I mean, I completely did a terrible thing, but my sister and I were driving to a conference and we decided that she was driving. And I decided like, let's make up a song to the tune of Good, Good Father. And we did, you're a good, good waffle. I said, you're a good, good waffle. It's who you are. It's who you are. <laughs> and I said something like, with your chocolate chips and your whipped cream. Oh God, it was bad. But yes, and so I so appreciate the fact that you at least appreciate my sense of weird humor. And it was my, it's it so far has been my favorite iTunes podcast comment. When you said that, I thought whoever that person is, I really like them. And it just so happened that it was you in Evansville, Indiana, when I was out there speaking. And I was just so excited that I got to meet the owner behind the comment of good, good waffle. Yeah, just just really trying to get out there and, you know, show you who I am. That's so weird. That's so weird of me, actually, if I think about it. Yeah, but it was great, man. I, it was great. And it was a great connecting thing. So we met and I was giving talks at this conference and you actually took over my Instagram account that day and were like taking pictures of me talking and the kids and you were really funny. And I just immediately when I met you, there was something different about you. It was just, oh, let me just stop that. Sorry. Talking. So we'll just take a quick pause because that's my husband trying to call me. Let me just text him back really quick and say, hey, listen, I'm in the middle of a podcast, Ricky. Uh, <laughs> what's up, buddy? So I just love the fact that this is happening at this exact moment. And then I'm debating now, should I just keep this in the podcast or should I just delete this out? I don't know yet. That is, that's a serious thing you're going to have to pray about, probably. <laughs> <laughs> pray about or just be like, you know what, I don't even care. I don't even care anymore. You're going to listen to it and you're going to listen to my husband texting back to me. So he is texting back right now. My husband's a firefighter. Ricky's a firefighter. So whenever he does call me, I usually always pick up because he rarely calls me when he's on the job because he's on the job. And 
oh my gosh, this is what he has to tell me. Like, so Ricky never, I mean, I shouldn't say never, rarely calls me when he's at work. So he's a firefighter. So he goes in, he's on for 48 hours straight. So he goes into the firehouse and then he doesn't come home for a little bit over 48 hours. And so whenever he calls or texts me, it's pretty important. It's like, you know, big stuff, like things that can wait. He definitely doesn't bother me with. And this is the text message I get from him. So he called me, as you heard, I turned it off and he tech and I put in the middle of a podcast and he responds back. Okay. I need the mustard chicken recipe as soon as you can. <laughs> Good. Good to know Good, yeah. the mustard chicken recipe, which is a fabulous, easy recipe for chicken thighs in case you're wondering. And I'll include that in the show notes. Why not? Because we're just going to keep this in the podcast. I don't even care. Okay. So back to our conversation, Kristen. So sorry that Ricky interrupted us, that darn husband of mine. So when we met, though, there was something very different about you. And I get to meet amazing people all around the world. And everybody's wonderful. And truly, I'm not just saying that. They really, really, really are. But when I met you, you have a passion and a fire in your belly that for the faith that is just, you can't ignore. Like you, it's very clear when I met you, I was like, this chick's different. Like she gets it. She gets it at a level where I pray most people can reach in their life of like, no, this, this stuff is important. It's what I believe. It's how I live. And which kind of just brought me to the point of like, I really want to talk to her more and find out more about you. And so we really haven't had any more conversations since that one time that we met back in March. We've had a few email interactions for you to be on the podcast. So I'm really excited just to talk more about you and talk more about for, for you to share with us about your life. One of the first things I wanted to ask you, because I thought this was interesting when you told me this in an email when we were preparing for this podcast, that you had a conversion to Catholicism when you were 18 years old. Yeah. Okay. So I should tell this story because it's a really good one and the Lord is good. So, okay. So there's this book. Let me just start by saying this. There's this book of letters between St. Therese and her like biological sisters. And I found it. It's like really, it's like, it was like really old copy on the shelf at, at, in college and I pulled it off and I was like looking, I was reading it, these letters back and forth. And I can't remember the context of like what Therese was talking about, but it was something like that was like not going well. Something's not going well. And the next thing she said was like, fortunately they're not obstacles for God. And like when I read that, I was like, that could go with literally anything. Like there are all these things that happen in life. And it's like, Fortunately, they're not obstacles for God, no matter what it was before that. It was like that. The reason I say that is because my whole life leading up to this moment is like all this series of things that are just like, what was that? And it's just like, fortunately, they're not obstacles for God. Because right. every, like, it just everything is like, oh, just like, there's so many reasons why I shouldn't be where I'm at now. And God's like, okay, but I don't care, <laughs> you know? So were you raised Catholic and fall away from the faith? Like, tell me how this happened. Like, how did you convert to Catholicism when you were 18? Because that's like, that's a really young age. And so I don't know. I mean, it happens, but usually you hear about conversions to Catholicism later in life. So what, how did this work out for you? It's really amazing. I was not, I was never Catholic. Um, my family's not Catholic at all. So like from the time I was nine, or sorry, from the time that I was born really till I was like nine. I went to a Pentecostal church with my whole family, myself, my mom, my dad, and my two sisters, one older, one younger. And we'd go every Wednesday night, twice on Sundays, non-negotiable. 
like we went, we didn't, we didn't really talk about faith a lot at home, but like we went to church. We were avid churchgoers. What What did you um, do twice on Sunday? Is that like double twi- oh, dipping? Yeah, double. Oh no, you go twice. It's two different services. Um, for, but for just, what? What's What's part one and what's part two? Oh, it's just two separate. I don't know. You just go in the morning and then you like have lunch and stuff and then you go back at night. Really? That was, yeah, it was. <laughs> we went three times a week. I'm about 45 minutes away from our house, like, you know, relig- religiously, you know, devoted Pentecostals. We, we were. I didn't know what it meant to be Pentecostal, but it is like primarily where I learned like that Jesus loved me. So I would ne- I wouldn't really ever change, you know, that that's the way I grew up. But when I was nine is when we stopped going. There were like a couple of events that took place in my family that really kept my parents from wanting to continue taking us to church. Uh, I guess in short, like people like hurt my family in a couple of different situations, hurt, really hurt them. And, and it was these people that, from what I remember, claimed to be Christian. And I, I remember my mom saying these words, like, if this is Christianity, the way these people are treating us, then I don't want any part of it. Mm. And I remember that really strongly. And it's really like, that's actually really shaped a lot of like, what it means for me to be a Christian person. And, and whenever I mess up, I'm like, no, I don't want people to look at me, like see the rosary hanging in my car or see, you know, some sticker on my, on my window that says like, you know, that implies that I'm Catholic or that, that I believe in Jesus and think like, if I cut them off, like, oh, if they're Christian, then why bother? You know? And so I really try to remember those things. But my parents, you know, they, they always said like, we're going to go back to church. We'll find another church. And, and then I told myself, when I get my license, I'll drive myself back to church and, and I'll go. And, and really, though, from the time I was nine till I was like, you know, almost 18 or 18, I went to maybe 10, some sort of faith services 10 times, right? Wow. Like, so, and so like to go three times a week for the first nine years of your life and then to not go hardly ever for the next nine, it was odd, but it was like, okay for me at the time, because I'm in this point in my life where I'm playing sports, I'm hanging out with friends, I'm, I'm getting involved in all these, these things with school and whatever. And I, I really didn't care. So I spent that time like, like believing in God, but didn't not going to church, not practicing any sort of faith or anything. I probably wore like a cross necklace because it looked nice or something like that. But it wasn't right. like big time until I get to my senior year. And there's like a couple things, I guess, at that time, in that time of my life during high school, that sort of lead me into getting closer to joining the Catholic church. One being that, that I had a really, I didn't have a great relationship with my parents. And so I was kind of just always gone doing other things, hanging out with other people. I struggled, which I didn't know at the time what, what this was, but I was struggling with a lot of anxiety and depression. I had like a, an aunt that was going to pass away during my senior year from cancer. And it was like the first time I ever lost a loved one. So like a couple months before I graduated high school in February of 2009, like I realized that like I started to realize that God puts incredible people in your life. And I was starting to think like there are all these people like falling into my life and they have this like one thing in common and it's that they're Catholic. So maybe I should like look into this Catholic church thing. And so in like, yeah, so February 2009, I went to mass for the first time and did, you, did, did someone invite you or did you just go yeah. on your own? So I was invited by this, uh, li- this really cool lady, Liz. Um, she kind of like, you know, like she was kind of like almost like mentoring me. And she was just really there for me during a lot of times. I had met her painting sets for a theater production. And she was a mom to some of the, some of the kids younger than me. And she was really like, you know, just like really patient with me. And like, thank goodness, because I was a, I was a mess. But 
you know, she invited me to go and she's like, you can come and you can sit with my family. You're totally welcome. And I'm like, cool. And after the first time I was like, that was really interesting. I have no idea what just happened. It was really weird and it was not Pentecostal. So I don't know. And she's like, why don't we stay after next week and talk about it? And so we did that a couple of times. She's like, you know, who would be better at this would be to talk to the priest. And I'm from a small town. And so I knew of the priest just by the nature of the fact that it was a small town and you just know people. So I knew him a little bit. I knew all the families in the parish anyway, because it's a small town and I go to school with all of them. And so at the end of March, so like I went from February. So I started going to mass in February and uh, spoiler alert, went every single weekend for the rest of now, you know, up till now I, I, I just keep going. Um, I keep coming back. But I met with the priest for the first time. We sat down during spring break of my senior year. So at the end of March, you know, it was a pretty normal high school senior spring break, I think, meeting with the priest. And so you spent your spring, your <laughs> senior year spring break, not in Cancun, um, no. getting wasted, but hanging out with the Catholic priest talking about yeah. Catholicism, talking about joining the church. Like that first meeting, he was like, what do you think? And I was like, I think I'm going to be Catholic. And he's like, okay, have you been baptized? And I'm like, yeah, when I was six, I was fully submerged. It was, he's like, was it Trinitarian? And I was like, was it what? And he was like, was it in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? I was like, the Holy Ghost, yes. And he's like, cool. So we met then, and then we continued to meet about every week, about every week or so. And he taught me different things. He used a certain book with me. We met one-on-one, and we got really close. It was really amazing, actually. And he's like, he's like, okay, well, all of a sudden, it gets to be like the end of May. So we're just like April and May, those two months. And he's like, I think you're ready. And I was like, ready for what? And he's like, I think you're ready to be to like join the church. And I'm like, Oh, he's like, you have to make confession. And then we'll, we'll do a mass to confirm you and give you your first communion. And I was like, what? Oh, okay. What, so, how did you feel when he's like, I just need you to confess every terrible thing you've ever done, which is not exactly what he was saying, but still like, that's how I would have taken it. Like, how did you feel about that? Well, it was really, the Holy spirit is like the bomb because Think about this. I'm 18 years old in the prime of, yeah, but what about this? Right? Like I'm in the prime of arguing and and like dissenting and saying this isn't true and going through this. But my heart was just hungry for it. I was like, okay, I the Holy Spirit's so good because I never said, how could this be true? I said, if this is true, I need to know a little bit more about it. Everything was definitions. Okay. I just don't know what, you know, the Eucharist is. Like, tell me what that is. And it was just like, I just was able to like accept it with like this beautiful faith. I didn't really even understand until probably a year or two later, because when I realized all the things that I just accepted, and I don't want anybody to ever think that it was like blind faith, because this is me, I'm 18 years old, and I'm choosing every step at any moment, I could be like, I'm not doing this. No one was forcing me. It was all just like, like God puts people in your life. And he's like, here's this person. And the more I, I don't even, I don't know how to say this, but like, it's like God puts these people in your life that are like pulling you closer to him. And Absolutely. so it's really just like, it's really just like Jesus saying, it's really these people saying, I'm Jesus. And if you would just like take me, that'd be really great. And so like, I have these people like Liz and these different, you know, families in my, that are falling into my life that, or I'm falling into theirs that are like literally being Christ for me. And so yeah. like, that's something like I'm realizing, you know, every day that like God is placing these people in your life to say, here I am. I'm right here. And it's like my responsibility to allow them 
to like be Christ for me, you know? And if I don't, if I don't, if I reject them, then it's like, I'm saying I'm rejecting Christ, but I'm also taking away their opportunity to be a disciple really. And to like, you know, but you have to admit though, Kristen, you have to admit like, this is like listening to this is amazing clearly. And I know you're not denying it at all, but that's a grace from God that you received to even be able to process that information and those people in your life in that way. Like just the openness you had to seeking truth and the realization when you were learning about Catholicism, that it was a lot about redefining terms because, you know, how what we define as worship or prayer can be different than maybe others, right? Right. Or yeah, what, so, what is the Eucharist? And, and so, you know, defining those words, I mean, what a grace God gave you just to be open to that truth, to see that and to welcome those people into your life so that they could be Jesus to you and speak truth to you in that way so that you could receive that and kind of move forward in your journey. Right. Honestly, like, you're right. It is. It was a total grace. I tell people all the time, like, it, like when I, anybody asks me, like, how did you end up being Catholic? I'm like, well, the Holy Spirit's just like unreal. You know, that's like the ultra short version. But really, like, it has a lot to do with love because the reason I was able to just like take these is because I was experiencing love in a really profound way. And I didn't know it then. But why would I not accept those things? Because it was so attractive. Love is attractive. Like it just is. It's, if it's authentic, it's true love. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so I was like, I was like jumping after it. Right. I, I was ready to go. So I get to June 2nd and I, and I give my first confession, which was terrible. So if you ask me, Kristen, what did you think about having to tell all the bad things you you've ever done? I'll tell you quite honestly, well, I didn't, I gave some version of what I understood confession to be. And then it took a long time for me to have a better grasp on what it is that I was supposed to say in regards to like what my sins had been. And I, and I, and I really think of that as like, not a bad thing. I think that's no, just where not at are. all. Not at all. I mean, like, I love that. And I love that you're honest with it too, because you know what? God loves the process and he'll take you wherever you are, wherever you're at, and he'll walk with you. For it, sure. It doesn't matter. And if, I mean, that's the same way for me. I remember going back, like after I had my reversion back to Catholicism, there were some things that I did that I thought like, well, I think this is okay. And then I realized as God was walking with me and as I came to understand more about my faith, I realized, oh, that no, I need to, <laughs> I need to adjust that. That's not exactly true, but it's great because, you know, we're all a process and God loves the process and God usually reveals himself in a process. It's usually not instant moments of like, you know, this understanding of, everything of faith in God himself. So that's fantastic. I love that you're so honest about that because it's true. Sometimes we go into things and we think we're doing just enough. And then later we learn like, okay, I probably need to readjust how I understand that. Yeah. No kidding. That's for real. So yeah, like, like I said, like that was a garbage confession, but like good, right? It was so good. So I I got used to doing that. I got better. I prayed more. I, I got better at an examination of conscience as I went. But the week, just the week after that, one week exactly, on June 11, 2009, my priest did a private mass. There were about 20 people. He said, you can invite whoever you want. So I invited some of the families that had like really like welcomed me in. And uh, I was received into full communion of the Roman Catholic Church that night on a sunny evening. So that was pretty awesome. 
I took a few days to tell my parents, like they knew that I'd been going to church. Like I'd been like, just like, bye, I'm going to mass. I didn't even, I I forgot to even ask this. So you are, I mean, yeah. So what did your parents think when you're like, I'm starting to go to a Catholic church and then what, like, so yeah. So I guess explain to me how that happened when you told them that you're now Catholic. So so they, they didn't know that you were becoming Catholic after you became Catholic? So they didn't know the exact time that I was doing it. I never, I never said like, Hey, tonight I'm going to do this. And part of me, I think like, maybe I should have like had my parents there, but it was so much between me and the Lord that I was just like, I need to do this. And it can't be about anyone else. It has to be about like Kristen and Jesus. And that's what it's going to be tonight. And that's what I'm going to do. And so like, I go back and forth, but it really doesn't matter because, you know, here I am, I'm doing the best I can. So when I told my mom, you know, they noticed I'd been going to mass and they never really said anything about it too much. But I was driving with my mom to the airport. I was dropping her off in Indianapolis. And I was like, I have to tell my mom on this car ride. Like, I have to just be like, hey, I'm becoming Catholic, just so you know. And and I was like, but I can't do it. But I can. So we're scanning the radio and something, 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 the Catholic Church. And I'm like, okay. Uh. Um, so, I, so I turn off the radio <laughs> and I was just like, um, speaking of the Catholic Church. And my mom just like looks at me, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to be Catholic. And she's like, but you're not. Catholic. And I was like, yeah, but I'm going to be. And she was like, but you're not. And I was like, but I will be. And she's like, okay. And I was like, okay. And she's like, yeah, you're 18 years old. You can do what you want. And I said, okay, should I tell dad? And she goes, if you want. And I said, okay. And like, that was it, you know? And like, really like my parents were, I would not call them supportive, but they weren't unsupportive. They just were like neutral. Neutral super neutral about it. Yeah. Um, they would give me, they would kind of give me a hard time every once in a while. Like, Oh, well, you're Catholic now. So you have to do this or you're, you're Catholic now. So you have to do that. And I'm like, whatever, you know, so, Kristen, how old are you now? I'm 26. You're 26. Okay. So how are your parents now with you and the faith? Well, the next part is that in 2014, so I finished up a degree in religious education from Marion. So I got a degree in theology, you know, roughly five years after I converted, which is an insane story. So yeah, I went to Marion University in Indianapolis. Good times, go nights, you know. And I got home and I started to like look for, you know, like what am I going to do with this degree and all that. And my oldest niece, who actually like my parents raised, kind of a long story, but my parents are raising my oldest niece. She's going to be eight in a couple of weeks. But when she was in kindergarten, you know, I worked some magic and she ended up going to Catholic school. And when she was in kindergarten, she came home one day and she's like, I want to be baptized. And my mom's like, why? And she's like, because I want to be a part of God's family. And I'm like, yes, Catholic school. Right. So it's really cool. So in 2015, she gets baptized. And last year, 2016, with the Easter vigil, my mom and dad were received into full communion. What? I swear I can't make it up. No, I did not expect that. I thought your parents are still going to be just Pentecostal, not going to church. So your parents are now Catholic? My parents are Catholic as of a little over a year ago. Oh, praise be to God. That's awesome. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. Like it's what's what's just wild about it is the way it like it opened up this like new line of communication between like me and my parents where my mom like was like you because when they got when my niece was baptized you know the priest said actually this is amazing i'm gonna tell this really quick story when we brought when we brought cambria she's my my oldest niece we brought her in to meet with the priest in the same room i met with the priest about joining the church a few years before that he was like cool yeah so like fred and nancy that's my parents they're like the classic parent names fred and nancy you guys are gonna have to take cambria to mass once she's baptized like as her parents 
it's going to be your job to do that. You don't have to become Catholic, but I would like for you to join RCIA and you can go from there. And but anyway, we leave that meeting, you know, looking at calling the sacramental coordinator and talking about that. But the priest, Father Tony, he texted me. He was like, I have to tell you this. And I'm like, what's up? He's like, two weeks ago, I dreamt that I baptized Cambria. And I was like, no way. That's really awesome. So it's really amazing. And so they, about the same time, we, you know, like we're kicking off with this baptism. My parents join RCIA so that they can, you know, be at least, you know, comfortable with talking about the faith with Cambria when it comes up. And we get to the point where they ask them to decide, like, are you going to just like continue learning or are you going to join the church? And my mom was like, Kristen, can you help me talk to your dad about this? Because I want to do it. And I was like, you do? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, sure. I was like, what makes you think that? I was just curious. And she's like, I see like what you have. And it's something that growing up like in Christianity, like my mom grew up in a very like strict religious family. She's like, we believe essentially the same things, but there's something that you have that I don't. And I see the way you're living your life. And I want Cambria to live that life. And I want to help give it to her. And, you know, she starts saying all these things. And I'm like, this is the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Uh, yes, <laughs> I'll, tell da- I'll, I'll tell dad to do it. But then I never even had to talk to my dad because uh, I guess my mom went ahead and talked to him and, and said, I really want to do this, but I don't want to do it without you. And so like, I would like for you to do this. So it kind of started as like, okay, like mom's really into it. Dad's like kind of going along with it. But my dad is so intelligent that when he started reading and reading more, he's like, okay, this is actually really legitimate. Like, I like this. And my dad is tearing apart my theology books from college. He's reading Confessions. He's reading like all the C.S. Lewis. He's reading. It's books amazing about when you go back to like the first Christians. And my husband, Ricky, is a convert as well. And so, you know, one of the things that got him was that he asked the question of like, what did the first Christians do? And he went back to like the church fathers and like those first Christians, like St. Polycarp, who was a disciple of John, who John is, you know, the disciple of Jesus. So Jesus, John Polycarp, which I mean, that's a rough name, right? Polycarp. Yeah. But anyway, so, 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 but the point I'm making is something similar to what you're doing is that like, it's amazing how like what your dad was doing, like what my husband Ricky does, they just went back to like, what do the first Christians do? And they saw that the first Christians were coming together in community and worshiping and taking the Eucharist and saying those words that, you know, at Holy Thursday that we say every Sunday. And it was just like amazing. Like it was eye opening to Ricky as he says it. I'll let him someday later on in a podcast talk about it. But yeah, so it's so cool. So now you've had this amazing conversion at 18 years old. God clearly was guiding you and guiding a whole bunch of other people to talk to you, to experience this amazing love, as you said, and being a Christian inside the Catholic Church. So you convert. Years later, your parents convert after this amazing experience with your, is it your niece or your? Well, I guess like technically she's my sister. That's what she likes to say, but she's my niece. She she doesn't want to be my sister. I'm not a good sister. Yes, <laughs> I'm a better are. aunt. I'm a better aunt. So your parents are taking care of her, and through that, through all these different people, your parents are now in the church. So you have this amazing, amazing, you know, conversion experience. You had mentioned something in the beginning, though, and I want to talk about this next. About you didn't realize it, but you were dealing with anxiety and depression. Yeah, and I know <laughs> that that's something that you talk about today. And you talk about it in the talks that you give and the retreats that you give, especially 
the local ones you do it with your kids in school. That is, it's huge right now. I mean, the rates are really high now with anxiety and depression. And and I'm not really going to go into the reasons why there's probably a million and one, but and I'm so thankful that we're more aware of it and that we talk about it now. And so how has, and you, I know you've mentioned this, pre, you know, to me as well in an email that, that your faith has continues to help you deal with that. Can you talk about that and explain to others who might also be feeling and experiencing those same types of struggles of anxiety or depression? Like, what do you do that helps you get through that with your faith? Okay. Yeah. That's so, it's so good. Like that I'm, I like, thank God that I'm at a place where I can talk about it really positively because I didn't, I didn't just, you know, start talking about it. It it took a lot of counseling and I went through some medication and all that because I was this person who was like, just like, you know, always happy, always laughing, always yelling in the halls in high school and and joking. But like when I would get home at night, I would just be like really just miserable. And and like the anxiety was just like overwhelming. And in instances that I didn't even know it was going to happen, I would be having like a anxiety attack in class. And like, I felt like my heart was going to explode and all these things. And and so that's at the time that I'm really seeking that's, that's, you know, that's when it's at one of its heights, because it's kind of like a roller coaster almost. For me, it has been in high school, one of its heights was when I was, you know, really diving into to the Catholic Church. So it was like, Lord was like, hey, I see that you're going through this time. I'm going to give you what's going to take what's going to help take care of this. And like, gosh, so so there was that. And, and it was pretty it was pretty rough time in in college. And I can tell you that one of the greatest graces of the whole thing is that I never lost my faith. I think a lot of times people like go through this depression where they're like, they can't explain why they feel so sad and what's going on that's making them feel so miserable inside. And so they they can't explain it. They can't find a reason for it. And so they just say, well, God clearly doesn't have my back on this if he's going to let me go through this. And I learned really quickly that, that that wasn't, that wasn't the case that God wasn't pushing me off of a mountain, but really trying to pull me up on top of it. And the more I clenched on to the Lord, like the better I felt, the more I trusted in, you know, in prayer, in the people that God was giving me, the more, the, the better I felt, you know? So if you ask me, like, you're asking, I think you're, you're saying like, what part of my faith, like pulled me through those times? It's, uh, it goes back to the people, you know, God is so good about giving you exactly what you need it usually, it seems like in my life, in the form of a person. So he's like giving me these people who were willing to, to look at me and say, Kristen, you have to address this because number one, like it's not, you're not being your best person. Like you're not being the best you and it's not your fault, but you've got to, you've got to confront this. Right. And, and really, really people that are really willing in like a charitable way to call me out on it because I'm not being the best person that I can be. And it's causing like damage in my, in, in other relationships. And so he, he gave me those people who, like I said, like charitably said this, which means to me that they told me these things, but then were willing to help me with it and walk with me. And so I just see these people as like my Jesuses, I don't know how to say that, Jesuses, that were just like, hey, I'm going to be Christ for you and I'm going to walk with you through this. And like, I have these people in my life that like went through like really dark times, really rough things with me that, that I was, you know, I was, I was in, I was in college. And I was like, I don't think I can even finish. How could I possibly finish when I don't even want to get out of my bed? I just want right. to stay here and I don't want to get up. And, it, and it's so, it became so hard for me because on the surface, I was like having a good time. I like, like, you know, enjoying my life. And yeah, it, and it's, it's amazing what we can do to put on a persona or a personality or a character almost of somebody else because it's yeah. just easier. 
it's easier to pretend that you're something or somebody else than to deal with the real you at moments. Yeah, and it's I have felt that as well. I wrote a blog post on some of my darkest moments of my own life within suicide. And it's very vulnerable to you're right to talk about any some of in, in any of these issues. And I'm not necessarily connecting suicide to anxiety and depression at all. But for me, my depression that I dealt with ended with it not being in check and with me abandoning the reality that God actually was with me. And I guess I just thought that I didn't matter to anyone, even to God. And because of that false sense of identity, it took me to a place where I was really in a dark, dark, dark spot. And I have that. I actually wrote about that on my website. You can find out some more information. I'll include that link in the show notes too. But you're right. It's just sometimes it's just easier to pretend that you're somebody else. I mean, I was doing that as well. I was pretending I was somebody else. I mean, I was going to photo shoots and, you know, I was a model in New York at this point, you know, and I was acting like everything was fine. And the reality is I wasn't. And it was very, it was, you just sometimes you just never know what people are going through. And that's so important to reach out and to ask those questions of like, hey, listen, are you okay? Or it doesn't seem like you're acting like your normal self. And to be brave enough, like you said, you have people in your life to kind of call you out and bring you to a place to remind you that, listen, you can do this. You are loved by God. God has not forsaken you and he will not forget you. Yeah, I recognize that it, it takes it just takes an incredible amount of courage. And I don't think there's ever a point where you have to be like, I'm not courageous enough because like that courage is provided, you know, like by the grace of our baptism, like we can do it, you know? And I think about like the fact like that we met at this retreat and, uh, you know, in March. And I think about that night, the night after we met, I was talking to, to, to the friend that really pulled me through all this, uh, that like I could, you know, I, I'm like forever, like, you know, like owing her something I feel like for this, but in, in a good way, like, you know, but I was talking to her that night and I was like, you know, if I think back to like five years ago and I was like hanging out at this retreat with you, but just like in the background, just like walking around because I like to follow you around you made me feel loved. Like if I think back to that time and I think about the way I felt then, like really small, really sad, really depressed, going through times that I didn't, I didn't feel equipped to deal with. And I think about now and how empowered I feel and how like, how much better I feel. I think the simplest way to put it is that there is nothing to be afraid of. Like if you can look, you can see where you are and believe that like the Lord has a future for you that makes a lot more sense than the way you're feeling now. Like you can get through those. And like, it's so much about like uniting like the struggle and uniting that cross, accepting the cross, because that's what it is. That's what anxiety and depression is. We don't know why the Lord says like, okay, here's your life. And these things are not good, but like, that's it. And you say like, okay, I'm going to take this just like you took the cross and I'm going to carry it as long as you need me to carry it. And I'm going to do it with as much grace as possible, even though some days I'm going to say, I can't do it. And then you're just going to pick it up for me and we're going to keep going. And so like all of that is, is just the reality. It was my reality. And I just, I learned and I prayed and I failed. <laughs> you know, I, I had bad days where I was like, no, sorry, God, not today. But other days when I had people encouraging me and whenever I had, you know, special moments in prayer where God was like, no, you can do this. I was able to keep going and say like, this is my cross. I'm going to unite it with the sufferings like that you experienced. And then that's how I'm going to live my life. So that if I experience anxiety and depression in any form for the rest of my existence, at least I can have something to like look to. And that's the cross, you know, and it's, 
it's been like really hard. Like it sounds like this really triumphant situation. And yeah, like in some ways it is. And it started out as this like tragic thing. And and then all of a sudden, like, I'm like, yeah, woo, go team, you know, I beat this and I and I did it. But it was hard and and I hated it a lot, but it, it turned into something that really just motivates me to do even, you know, even more for the Lord because he's, you know, has my back through all that. I guess does that make sense? No, that does. And you know, that right there, Kristen, that's why I'm talking to you. I mean, that's the beautiful thing that you are doing for the Lord is you're living courageously and you're sharing your faith and you share your struggles. And the fact that you can take those crosses in your life, especially those ones of anxiety and depression, and you see them as crosses to pick up daily and to walk with the Lord. I mean, that just, that brings tears to my eyes. That's just like, that's courage. That's a woman who knows who she is in light of God and is going to keep walking because you know that whatever the Lord has in store for you is better than if you were going to go at it alone. And that's just, that's beautiful. That is something beautiful for the Lord that you are doing just by living out your life and your call. And I know that you're an inspiration to your students in high school that you teach. You were an inspiration to me when I met you at that conference back in March. And there's something, we're kind of wrapping up with our interview here, but there's something that you do that's very interesting that I want you to share and you have, you've agreed to do it. So I'm not, I, just so you all, everybody knows I'm not putting her on the spot, but you do something called spoken word poetry. I do. Yeah. My kind of cool, kind of hipster, kind of like coffee shop ish. I mean, like, that's me. So you are going to do one of those things. What do you call it? You're going to, uh, a recite, I guess. Recite. I, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're so my students. Sorry. No, no, you go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. My students call it rap. So like Miss Brokaw actually quickly became rapper B in my first year, um, <laughs> which is like funny and annoying at the same time. I love these kids because they work my nerves, but like, I just, my heart is just like bleeding for them. I love them so much, but Priming so I'm like, you for motherhood, you can, don't worry. You can, I hope so. You can call me whatever you want as long as you don't call me something mean, I suppose. I guess you can call me that too. But, you know, they call me Rapper B because I would do this and they're like, oh, that's rap. And I'm like, man, it's kind of poetry. Can you just call it poetry? And they don't know what poetry is. So, no, they they, <laughs> they, they know do. what rap is. They do, yeah. Terrible and I, and I, our and educational I'll, I'll, system. It's cool. I'll rap with them. I can get down on some rap. Like, it's like my guilty pleasure. But, <laughs> but really, like, so this, this spoken word, it's probably like a little less spoken word, a little like kind of maybe something in between spoken word and rap, you know, but whatever it is, like the Lord, I firmly believe called me to it because from like a very young age, I was like really good at rhyming. I was really good at these like A, A, B, A, B rhymes or, or whatever, you know, and I did people's homework for them when we were writing poems and I was just, you know, really trying to get more friends, I guess, but I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but Okay, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> I started writing these poems. And then, you know, we were talking like the anxiety, depression thing. And then I wrote poems about my anxiety and depression. And they were like horrific. They were so sad. And like, I go back and read them sometimes. And I'm like, whoa, something was really going on. Like, this is not a joke. Um, right. But someone suggested like, when I started to come into the church and hang around, you know, like more Catholic people. And I, and I like form like these, you know, these new relationships after my conversion. They're like, you should, because I like kind of made a joke poem one time, just in the, the scenario, we were sitting watching some TV show and I was writing 
just a quick little poem about that situation. And I was like, here's my new poem, guys. Here it is, you know? And they're like, you should write one about like Mary Magdalene or something. And I'm like, okay, let me read about Mary Magdalene for a second. And so I, I write this poem, whatever. And I'm like, you know what? I could actually probably do this. And from then I just kept writing and then like my poems got like increasingly better. And I realized that like, when I started to like share these with people, that it was kind of like this, I think I mentioned, I, you know, I, I mentioned this to you about these four D's I came up with when I wanted to talk about why I write these, like why I write and perform these poems. Okay. Because it's like, the, I call it the four D's and it's that we are designed by God with specific gifts that we are called to discover those gifts that we're called to develop them. And then we're called to distribute them like for the glory of God. So God gave me this like gift. He designed me with this gift of like words and and poems and rhymes. And then I realized that at a very young age, and then I developed it by like continually doing it. And then now I'm just like, I need to share this with as many people I can with as many people as I can, because like the Lord gave me this gift and it is not for me. It's for him. And I'm like all the glory to you. And the, the more I write, about him, really the better my poems have been. So I can share a poem with you. Let me think of one to do. Okay, Kristen, why don't you go ahead and share one? All right. So this one uh, is called Five Thirds. You'll see why I think, but here's this one. So it goes, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend. Every tongue confess at the name of Jesus, a shield over my chest, around the clock action. Let me tell you what it's like to run circles around distraction. My cup overflows like an improper fraction. Can't ration my passion invincible. No defeat swept me off my feet. I trembled on the edge of my seat until I fell to my knees saying, praise the almighty king. Satan with a permanent look of dismay as love seeps from my pores, tears of joy down my face. I cannot contain, cannot retain the hope of the heavenly terrain. Lord, make it rain. Holy water, cleanse your daughter. No ceilings high enough. Let's ditch the floor. I'm on another level, struck straight to my core. I'm preaching off the porch. The Holy Spirit lit my torch. No barricade. No air raid can hold me back. I'm selected to dine with a man whose hands bring forth infinite wine. A banquet I'd be a fool to decline. Invincible, never overcome. Try to break me. Shake me to wake me. Maybe one day you'll mistake me as a planet. Taking orbit around the sun, the one, seventh, eighth, ninth dimension that I mention to me it's sensible to worship a God that makes me invincible. So there's that. <laughs> wow. That is really awesome. Yeah. So wow. it's pretty fun. Yeah, it's pretty fun. That one actually is on, that's actually on Spotify because uh, there's this rapping priest, Father Pontifex, who is actually from my diocese. And he kind of like knew I did that from doing it at different events and around here. And he's like, you should write a poem for my album. And I'm like, that's weird and awesome. So sure. So I wrote that actually like specifically for his album and got to record it in the studio with him and put that on his album. So that's where that one comes from. And then I have, you know, just like several other ones that I do. So what's, what's like your favorite one, your most favorite Um, one to do to recite? My favorite one's this one called uh, acquittal. And I just, cause I think it's funny or maybe Dear Devil, that one's really funny too. And it was kind of a joke when I wrote it, but people end up being like, that's their favorite one, I think. Okay, can okay, let's do one more. Let's, okay, let's okay. just do one more. Can you do Dear Devil? Dear Devil, yeah. I got to think of how it starts because I always forget. Okay. Can you think you can do it? Yeah, I can do it. Okay, so this was funny. Um, we, we joked about, the, uh, about another poem one time and I was like, oh, don't worry. I said something, don't worry about it. Like, that's just... I was talking to a friend. I was like, don't worry about that. That's just like Satan trying to get to us. But God is love. Don't worry about it. She's like, you should write a poem that's between a conversation between 
God and the devil. And I'm like, okay, cool. So like, I wrote, th- I wrote this in like 10 minutes and I was just like, okay, here it is. Are you ready? She's like, what? I'm like, here we go. So it's like, this is my vision. I'm really in no position, but feel free to take a listen. Imagine with me, the gates of hell outside a mailbox containing some heavenly mail. God wrote a letter to the devil today, signed, sealed and delivered with such interesting things to say. It's a response, of course, because we all know the devil is so daring, but my God sees through the mask that he is wearing. Daredevil, what do you possibly have to say that you don't say through your evil ways every day? Well, the devil said this and the devil said that, but most importantly, God replied back, dear devil, you can break hearts and I'll mend them. You can place bars and I'll bend them. You can disguise your identity and pretend to be a friend of me. But if you think I'm buying that, you've got to be kidding me. Your corruption is temporary. My love is legendary. Sin to win. Oh no. Sin to lose. I'm the one to choose. You're a daredevil. I'm the truth. Now we're talking games. You're duck duck and I'm goose. I'll chase you around all day to keep you from my children. Keep you running in circles until you reach the decision to just give up devil. You have no reason to revel. You are rejection. I am perfection. I'm glad we had this connection, this time of reflection. I'll sign this with love because that's what I am. P.S. You are roasted via poetry slam. Oh, that one is good. (laughs) So I love that one. That one's great. I'm so excited. I mean, oh, that is, I mean, Kristen, this is amazing. This is so cool. The Lord has blessed me for sure, because that is not me. That's the Holy Spirit just saying like, will you hold this pencil and do something with it while I just tell you what to say? He's really like that, you know? That's so cool. So so is your name Rapper B? Is that just what you go by now? (laughs) No, you go by Kristen, I think. You should, are you going to create an, like a album with all these things on it? I mean, I've thought about it, you know, but like, you know, people say like, oh, you should do this, you should do that. And I'm like, well, like, first of all, I want to, I want to be a teacher and I want to be the best teacher. And if these poems help, if these poems help my students, then that's great. But, but that's like my first priority is like the, the punks that I, you know, walk by in the halls. And if the, if the poems can help me do that, then by all means, I'll keep writing. A lot of people say, keep writing, keep writing. And I will, you know, cause that's, that's my call from the Lord one of them. And so I'll keep doing that. Maybe one day I'll do that. But it's, you know, whenever it happens, it happens. Well, I think you should definitely keep writing. You should keep reciting and you should keep sharing and living your life with Christ. Kristen, thank you so much for being with us. And thank you for sharing here on the podcast of Do Something Beautiful. You are truly a blessing. I'm not kidding you, but you are a blessing. I'm so happy that I got to meet you in person, that God um, spoke to both of us to to, um, start up this friendship. And thanks for just sharing your heart with us. I mean, it's been amazing to listen to your story and to the, how God is working with you and still working in you to bring out his glory within. Yeah, this has been awesome. Thanks so much. I don't, I don't know why you liked me, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> of course <laughs> I did. Well, thank you so much for listening. And thanks for your patience today on the Do Something Beautiful podcast. My kids were home when I filmed. I'm sure as you could hear all the stomping above but the beauty of uh, having a home office. Thanks for listening to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. Don't forget to put a comment and rate us on iTunes. It completely helps us. Just so you know, it's worth it because um, now people can hear these wonderful podcasts. So the more ratings we get, the more visible we become on iTunes, yada, yada. You got to play the game. So I'd love for you to help me out by doing that. And remember that no matter what happens today, no matter what is going on, uh, remember that you've been called and it is your duty to do something beautiful for the Lord. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you later.